0: Mac Power Users, episode 370 The State of Automation with Sal Segoyan. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hi, Katie. So you have been teasing this episode a little bit with our listeners, telling them that uh, we had a very special guest coming on the show to talk um, to them, and we are thrilled to have joining us uh, Sal Segoyan, who is really the father of modern-day automation on the Mac. Uh, Welcome, Sal, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Greetings, all. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it.
0: You know, so much of what we talk about on Mac Power Users, we, you know, we help people try to use their Macs more productively. We talk about some of the great tools that they can use to automate things on their Mac. And that is, in many respects, thanks to the great work that you and your team have done. Uh, and so we owe you a great debt of gratitude. So I guess, first and foremost, I say thank you.
1: Well, on behalf of all the people uh, who did the work and put out tremendous effort, Throughout the years, I thank you for that. It was definitely an effort by dozens and dozens of really talented engineers and marketing people over years and years since the early 90s or the late 80s actually onward that made it all possible. And we were constantly building on things that had been done
2: before. Just to go back for folks who, who aren't familiar with Sal's work, Sal started like us. You were an automation geek out in the world. Uh, I believe it was the publishing industry you were primarily working in, correct?
1: Yeah, I was at uh, working in a print service bureau in Charlottesville, Virginia. And of course, when you have hundreds of print jobs coming through the door every day, Anything you can do to automate the process of checking files and preparing them to go to the line of Tronic is very valuable. And I started working as a beta tester for different companies who were making Quark extensions. And when in 1993, I saw that Apple was introducing an English-like language scripting Architecture that could control applications. I was intrigued and I bought a copy of the developer CD. And the first script I ever wrote was for Quark Express and it was set the color of the current box to blue. And as soon as I saw that run, I fired all my clients and I spent 13 hours a day for months trying to master this
2: new power. And that was Apple Script.
1: Yes, it was. That was my first introduction to real user automation,
2: and you know, and that's something we talk about on our show all the time. I mean, we do have developers that listen to the show, but a lot of the folks that listen to our show are, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, business owners, students, people who want to uh, make their computer do things for them uh, to avoid the tedium and. And that's why you've always been, I, I, you know, I just always felt like you've been kind of our man on the inside. I mean, you went from that, that position of, of learning AppleScript from the outside to, to going, hiring into Apple and, and working on it there. Uh,
1: it was a matter of tempting fate and getting called. <laughs>
0: <Okay>.
1: <laughs> I, I was uh, working with my friend Joel Smith on an automation project in Atlanta. And we were riding uh, up the highway in a convertible, and I looked over at Joel and I said, you know, I'd like to become the AppleScript product manager. I'll whip those guys into shape, and I'll really make it happen. No no kidding. (laughs) Sure enough, uh, Apple started coming after me, and we did this dance for a couple years before I eventually joined.
2: And you were there for, uh, how long were you at Apple?
1: Almost 20 years, I joined in January of 1997. I was uh, actually hired during a hiring freeze by the vice president of QuickTime. At that time, AppleScript was part of QuickTime because uh, a couple infamous personalities kidnapped the code and basically uh, took ownership of it just to protect it. And they brought me on board. And I was like one of the last hires before uh, Craig and Avi and everybody came in from Next.
2: Yeah, and it, I had so much fun. I, I, years ago, I don't know if you remember, but you you gave a two day course in Apple Script at MacWorld. You know, back when there was a MacWorld, and I, I took this two day course from you. I had so much fun and and hearing some just a few of the stories that you had. You know, doing this through Apple's resurrection, <laughs> it was just a, a fantastic time and, and the world's greatest Apple script teacher.
1: Those were quite the ordeal with two seven hour sessions over two days. Yeah, it was quite the ordeal, but uh, always fun and always rewarding to see the light bulb go on. And people realize that, yes, indeed, they do have the power to make the computer do what they want.
2: Yeah, and and so so from the outside, we always felt like Sal was our guy on the inside. You were the guy, uh, and I don't know. I know that there was a lot of people working with you, but we got things like Automator during your reign. You know, during your watch, I guess is probably the better term. We got uh, services. You know, the contextual services, which are so amazing. We d- dedicated a whole show to that once, and then you know, so many other great interventions coming out of Apple to help automate our our Macs over the years, and and we all are very thankful for whatever role you played in making that happen
1: well uh i was <laughs> i have been accused of having absolutely no morality when it comes to my technologies i'll make any deal and uh, do anything i have to it uh, to advance them and uh i was pretty ambitious and would never take no for an answer so uh there are plenty of stories to tell and it perhaps someday uh I'll sit down and tell some of the inside stories on how certain features got into the OS. But I can tell you that it was definitely not planned. There was a lot of times where an opportunity would just show up and the right thing would happen at the right time, and we would connive and figure out a way to actually get it into the OS.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, but, but now you're not with Apple anymore. You're out with us. And, and I think that in some ways that might be the best possible result for those of us on the outside, because, um, having you work on the outside of Apple now may be exactly what we need to, to push automation to the next level. And we were thinking for today's show, having you on for the first time that we'd like to talk generally about the state of automation on the Mac and iOS and, and how people can get rolling with it right now. And, and what the future of this stuff is on our on our various platforms.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Mac has been the outstanding platform for automation for decades. It's unrivaled in the power that is available to you. Most people aren't aware of the depth and the variety of the automation tools that you have built in, the things that you can do yourself, the tools that you can create yourself are phenomenal and they're numerous. And it's just a matter of educating the public. And that's why a show like yours is so valuable because it's a way of letting everybody know about what's already on their computer and their devices.
2: So, so just let's look at the Mac for a minute and, um, and let's talk about that. So somebody who's listening to this show, who's not a programmer who doesn't even have Xcode installed on their, on their Macs, what are the various avenues of automation you see for someone like that right now?
1: I've always had a firm belief, I guess it's the core belief of my career has been that the power of the computer should reside in the hands of the one using it. And that power is manifested in a variety of ways. And when people normally think of the term power, you think of complexity with it. But that's not necessarily the case. There are a lot of really useful tools from Apple and third parties that you can take advantage of right away without writing any code at all, that can really make your life a lot better.
0: When we talk about automation quite a bit on this, epi- this Mac Power Users, we talk about kind of the trifectus, you know, Text Expander, Hazel, Keyboard Maestro, and you can get very, very complex with some of those tools. But just like you said, you don't have to know AppleScript or JavaScript or shell scripting language But you can, and you can introduce those things into them and then multiply their productivity.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The way that the tools were designed, for example, Automator, was designed so that you could incorporate the advanced automation technologies in with what you're doing at any point. You could insert a shell script, or you could insert a JavaScript, or you could insert an Apple script yourself. To enhance the normal abilities of the tool. And the same applies for a tool like Hazel, where you can add in your own scripts. A lot of really great automation tools and applications that incorporate automation always provide a way for you to add on to what they are offering. So to, be, to get back to your, your question of, well, what's available for somebody that doesn't know scripting languages? Well, then you, to begin with, like the trifecta that you mentioned are excellent third party tools to begin with. Hazel's a wonderful tool for setting up uh, workflows and uh, tasks that happen automatically or triggered at certain events. Uh, Automator is from Apple, your first step for automation. And it's amazing what you can do with Automator without having to know any. Uh, code at all for example, did you know that with like just a couple of automator actions in a workflow you can combine selected PDF files in the finder and merge them into a single file just with a right click of your mouse? did you know that- those
0: are things that you just built in and then you let other developers build on top of them it's it's kind of like building with with Legos I think is the analogy that we've talked about. Recently, is you, you take these building blocks and you can just almost infinitely expand them.
1: Absolutely. And that's the way it should be. It should be like a, a really easy-to-use uh, Rector set or Legos or something where it's just a matter of you're creating an automation recipe. You know, the, you, you, when you create a, a soup, You follow certain procedures, like you'll go cut the carrots, cut the celery, cut the onions, mix them together in a mirepoix, add them to a broth, add in other items, cook, and then serve. Well, each one of those steps can be related to some task that you're doing on the computer, where you break it down into the individual components, and you create a workflow which is basically an automation recipe. I'm going to cut the carrots, I'm going to do the, cut the onions, cut the celery, I'm going to mix, and then I'm going to do this. you know. Or I'm going to select the files and then I'm going to create an archive, I'm going to add it into an email, and I'm going to send it to here. It's just once you understand how you create an automation recipe, then it becomes easy to address those challenges that you have where you might have to rename 50 files and it just becomes a really simple thing for you to do by building a workflow.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like anytime you're on a Mac and you do something that feels tedious, if you spend a few minutes thinking about it, you can probably automate it.
1: If you're at a point where you go, there's gotta be a better way to do this, or you think, oh, I don't wanna do this, that's an indicator that you should be looking at automation. And like you said, if you spend a few minutes and you automate it once, then the next time you have to face that challenge, you can use the automation tool that you created. And in in, in macOS, there's plenty of places where you can insert your automations. There's the system-wide script menu that you can make it available. There's contextual services, they can become uh, Image capture plugins, they can become folder actions. Your automation tools can be exposed at a variety of places in the Mac. And they can just happen automatically while you're doing what you do with the computer.
2: I mean, just like as as an example, this is a real simple one. It's an automator script I I made. uh, When I post uh, pictures to my website, a lot of times they're really big and that takes a lot of bandwidth and it's not necessary on a website anyway. So I resized them to 600 uh, pixels wide and I created an automator, what they call service. So all I have to do is go to that image anywhere in my Mac and right click on it, and then click on the service and 600W, 600 wide. It took me all of about three minutes to make that script. And I've, I've probably used it, you know, over a thousand times over the years.
1: There's one built in for encoding video. You can right click any video file and encode it so that it's optimized for uh, ios devices and for upload
2: yeah we don't talk about it enough but if you're listening you haven't loaded up automator lately you should and just that i think one of the funnest things to do in automator is open up and start a new empty script and just look at the library if you go to the library pane and just look at all the available actions you have and it's going to depend on what apps you have installed like i have pixelmator installed and Pixelmator has a whole bunch of automator scripts that I can run. Um, and, you know, so third-party apps are supported. You know, DevonThink is in there. There's a whole bunch of different apps that, that do this.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the, just a quick word on the terminology. The recipe, the file, the document is called a workflow. The individual nuggets of functionality are called actions. So you put actions together to create an automator workflow.
0: I just created one It was a little more complicated, but you can, the beauty of it is you can figure out what you want to do and then start stacking the pieces together. You know, I'm an attorney by day. And one of the things we do all the time is draft documents in Word. And then we want to stamp them as draft and send them to people as PDFs to look at, but we want, you know, draft stamped all over them so that nobody takes these and, you know, tries to file them or do something with them. And I thought there's got to be a way to resolve this doing using Automator. And so one of the first actions I looked at was to take a Word document and to convert it to a PDF. And I think I actually used an Apple script that I found uh, to do that using a, in there. And then it passed through, it's kind of like building a mousetrap. You then pass that PDF through using Automator actions, the, the tools that you had built in to then take that PDF water market with a big old draft logo, you know, then I would rename it and, you know, put it somewhere else where I typically upload files to clients and, and boom, and something that, you know, wasn't that big of a deal, but when you did it 10 times a day or on 10 different documents got very repetitive is now as easy as a right click, And I, I have that saved as a service called PDF or, or word to draft PDF.
1: Absolutely. And many people aren't aware, but Automator also has an incredible variable architecture. So we're gonna get a little bit more technical here, but variables are containers that can store information or generate information. So for example, a variable could contain the current date and you can insert this variable in your workflow at key places to provide information or a variable can store some information used at the start of your workflow and then reintroduce it to your workflow later on. I have a about a 20 minute video on how to use automator variables on the automator website and uh, you might find that quite useful to take your workflows and give them even more ability than they currently have.
2: Now is that the one the macautomation.com
1: Yeah, if you're in Automator, if you launch the Automator application and you go to the application menu within Automator, you'll see that there is a menu option under the application menu for Display Automator Website. And that will take you right to the Automator website on macOS10automation.com.
2: Yeah. Um, it is super useful. Like uh, just one more example, we could probably use these all day, but like when yeah,
0: we I, we have done a whole show on automation David. I'll, we should put a link to that in the show notes. It's been, it's been a little while now.
2: Yeah. But the, um, like I even like when I get a new uh, client set up, I have a service I created in automator that just creates the folder structure. You know, it's a simple. It's a very simple script, but I need to create the same six folders every time I open a file and, why am I typing this and hitting Command In and all this other stuff every time? No, you just run this little service, select the the parent folder, and it auto populates, and then you move on with your day.
1: And automation doesn't have to be a big thing; it can be something simple that you just do all the time.
2: But what what are some What are some of your favorite tools with uh, with Automator? Some of your favorite um, workflows you've created?
1: Oh, over the years, there's countless. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Some of my favorite ones involve Keynote and the construction of uh, uh, presentations and how to automate things like converting a URL for a photo stream into a QR code and putting it on a slide, Uh, pre-constructing an entire presentation outline, based upon the type of presentation that I needed, whether it was a sales or if it was going to be internal, I would just run an automator workflow using the uh, Keynote Automator Actions collection that I created. And it would basically build about 40 slides in a certain format and uh, pre-insert the key information at different points. And then I would go back later and fill it in with... uh, The specifics. So that was one of my favorites to use Automator for was just to like, you know, as a product manager, you make presentations all the time. So to make it easy for me to develop a new presentation, maintaining a certain quality and style was an effortless process using Automator. That was a
2: favorite. It, you know, And there's so many. In fact, I want to, um, in just a minute, I want to talk about some of the stuff you've got over at macOS10automation.com.
0: I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Fujitsu, makers of the great ScanSnap line of scanners. You can learn more about the Fujitsu ScanSnap at budurl.me slash SSMPU. That stands for ScanSnap MPU. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you have heard David and I extol the virtues of the Fujitsu ScanSnap scanner. In fact, I'm looking at one on my desk here. What makes ScanSnap so great is the combination of amazing software and first-class hardware. Let's start with their Premier scanner, the iX500. This is a full-duplex 50-sheet feeder scanner that will connect to your computer either wirelessly or with USB 3.0. This scanner will scan 25 pages per minute either to your computer or directly to mobile devices. You can scan in PDF or JPEG. And it has an enhanced paper feeding system that basically will make your misfeeds a thing of the past. They use enhanced roller separation technology to minimize your jams. If you have a lot of documents to power through, you want the iX500 on your desk. If you're looking for something a little more portable, you may want to check out the S1300i. That scanner will do 12 pages per minute, double-sided scanning on the go. You can fit it in a drawer or stick it in your briefcase. Or for the ultimate in portability, check out the iX100. This will scan a page at 300 dpi in 5.2 seconds and will fit in a glove box, briefcase, or backpack. It weighs only 14 ounces and can be USB powered. But the thing that makes the Fujitsu line of scanners so great is the amazing Fujitsu software. They have dual scan capability that will scan small documents at the same time. You can also scan documents larger than legal size and then automatically stitch them together using the Fujitsu software. Their scanner includes OCR software and they can scan to many cloud services including Dropbox, Evernote, Google Drive and more. You can set up profiles for single scans, batch scans, photo scans, just about anything you want to do. And you can use their custom software to organize business cards and receipts. You can learn more about this amazing line of scanners at budurl.me SSMPU. And thanks Fujitsu for your kind support of the show. So Sal, you created this website. We talked about it before, macosxautomation.com. And I, I read the X because that's how people are going <laughs> to get to the site. Um, but, uh, you, this was not developed by Apple. In fact, it's got a bunch of disclaimers on it that it's, you know, as a service to the, um, automation community, tell us a little bit about creating that site and the types of resources that are available there.
1: (laughs) It has an interesting history to it. Uh, when I first got to Apple, I was uh, the product manager for Apple script, uh, Or automation at the time. And part of my responsibilities was maintaining the uh, public AppleScript site. There used to be, you know, apple.com slash AppleScript. There was a top-level domain for AppleScript. And I personally maintained that site. And I made sure that there was you know, interesting content. I made sure that people knew the things that we were working on. That there was customer examples of people like themselves using automation and succeeding with it. And I maintained that site for many years. And eventually, Apple decided on taking a different path with their uh, Apple.com. And uh, at that point, I took the content. And I redid the content completely and put it on my own uh, site, which is hosted by Network Solutions. And I've been on that site for over a decade. And my goal was just to provide the same level of of information for customers because they needed that. And it was really hard to find uh, a niche within the corporate Apple because, A professional user or a pro user or a motivated user like your customers and your listeners uh, fit a certain niche that's really tough to address. I mean, Apple has a great developer site and they provide lots of really technical information for developers. And then they have a beautiful, gorgeous, helpful, informative consumer side where you can find out about their new products in a really attractive way but there's a, a real demand for that middle area of you know i'm not just a beginner i want to know more where do i go and so sites like Mac and mac os 10 automation are were created to answer that need and i've maintained that site and apple pretty much was fine with me doing that because you'll notice that there's really no advertising on the site, and I never really use it to push an agenda other than just giving people automation tools for free. The more people use automation, the better it is for everybody that automates. And that's been the goal of Mac OS X automation. And... Now it's really broken into a whole series of sub sites like iWork Automation, Photos Automation, Config Automation, DictationCommands.com. There are a lot of sites within the Mac OS X Automation umbrella that address specific topics and issues and applications.
2: Yeah, I mean, and for to a lot of extent, that's the reason this podcast exists. Same thing. We started in two thousand nine because. Nobody was talking about this stuff. And we wanted a, a forum for it to share information. And, um, and really, I, I strongly recommend anybody listening to check out macOS10automation.com. We're going to go ahead and put in the show notes as well as some of these other sites. But I, I really like the way that you've done it over the years Sal, because as you create interesting automation uh, tricks, like the stuff in iWork is really powerful, you can download a bunch of it. And, and the, the advantage for someone listening who says, I don't want to learn how to script, but you can still use these tools. Once they're put out there in the world, uh, you can download and install them without even having to bother with Apple Script or Automator. You can just take advantage of them.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of the examples you don't even download, you just click, click a, a button and it opens up in the script editor for you automatically. Uh, that was a, a technique we developed and pioneered uh, for AppleScript. It's, it's one of the few cases where you're allowed to embed uh, things into a link and have it open up on your computer in a secure fashion. It gives you a preview of it first. You look at the actual text of the script, and then you choose whether you want to convert that into a script, and then you have to compile it, and then you have to run it. But it's an easy way to get the code of the script instead of trying to scrape a web page or copy and paste and getting missing characters and things like that. On all of my sites, you can just click a link and the script will open up for you so you can start using it right away.
2: It's great. And it's just such a, a resource as you start clicking through these links on the website whether it's specific automator workflows you're looking for, or a better way to do your keynote or, you know, the photos tools are super powerful. Um, this is all great stuff. And it's just sitting there waiting for you. So I recommend everybody look into this.
1: Right now. Uh, that's We've so far been talking about, you know, automator and the easier to approach tools for automation Uh, But we don't want to miss talking about some of the real fundamental powerhouse of getting really specific and powerful automation done through AppleScript, AppleScript Objective-C, and JavaScript for automation as well. We need to mention those too.
2: Yeah, and and I want to talk about that because I think there's some confusion about those different tools and and what is the most appropriate tool for the the different problems people's face so so let's just talk generally about apple script for a minute um where do you see apple script fitting in at this point in time as an automation tool
1: well when you're talking about apple script uh people often mistake apple script for apple events there's an underlying communi- communication architecture built into the Macs and System 7. It's called Apple Events. And it's a way that applications can receive queries and communicate information. So it's like making a phone call to the Finder. Instead of clicking a menu manually and then selecting something, it's like a way of calling the Finder team and saying, I want you to make a new folder. And this invisible messaging system has allowed applications to communicate with each other and send and receive information between each other. But in addition, it's allowed people to write scripts that get translated into these messages so that you can control the applications. These are called the Open Scripting Architecture, OSA, And AppleScript is one of the OSA languages. AppleScript was designed as a follow-on to the hyper uh, card language that they were using at the time. And they wanted it to have an English-like language that could be used to control all the applications and the operating system.
2: And I, I felt strips. like, can I just say for a second, I felt like such a boss when I learned how to program HyperCard.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, because I I, I I learned how to program in BASIC, and I had done all this stuff, but HyperCard allowed me to program a Mac, and it was, that was such an awesome, I don't know. if Katie, did you do HyperCard, or were you too young for that?
0: No, no, we had some original HyperCard on my original Mac, and uh, I remember... At one point, and I'm sure it was purely coincidental, I was programming with HyperCard. My uncle was helping teach me, and um, something started smoking on the machine. And we're like, "Well, Uh-oh. yeah, I guess that's the end of that." <laughs> it just came out of the. I'm sure it had nothing to do with what we were writing in HyperCard, but
1: you probably had an open loop just kept going, yeah. and it was <laughs> <laughs>
0: had a memory
1: leak a on top of it. It was yeah. burning up the processors. Yeah, that
2: was- yeah, but it's just so great and and then, and then the Apple events, i I don't know who whose idea it was at Apple to put the Apple events in, just that that underlining framework to say, let's make a way for programs to have like a shorthand way to talk to each other. But that's what makes all this stuff possible. I feel like I'm not even sure our show would exist if it weren't for the existence of Apple events.
1: Uh, I'm not sure that Apple as a corporation would exist without Apple events, and the same for a lot of customers who have tens of thousands of Macs at their businesses, they're all automated. A lot of the processes of Apple at Apple are all automated with Apple events. And using AppleScript, Apple Script Objective-C and JavaScript for automation, which is a, another Apple event uh, OSA language, all the major processes that get done are automated. Generally, when you're in a corporate environment, if you have someone sitting at a computer, it's costing money. And the more you can do to free that person up to use their best skill set, their most creative skill set, the better you are. The more time you have them just being a body in front of a machine, pressing buttons, you're losing money. You're slower. They make mistakes. If you automate, you get speed. Accuracy, consistent output, and the, the most important thing is, is you get scalability. You can't scale by adding more people. You can only scale correctly through automation. That's the most efficient way to expand your business and be more competitive. And within Apple or any major corporation, you're going to see tremendous need for automation. It's their prime, next to security, it's their primary concern.
2: Well, even like uh, when you look back to the dark days of Apple, you know, when they were suffering, um, uh, a lot of people will have argued that the reason the company was able to stay in business was because all of these print houses and the publishing industry had had these automation tools built with, with their Macs that it made it too hard to replace them.
1: I was privy to many uh, corporate meetings where the thing that kept the Mac in the room was the automation that uh, you know, once you automate a process, you don't want to give that up because the alternative of going back to doing it by hand or trying to recreate that process using some other tool it just becomes too daunting. And automation is, is breeds loyalty because it's just so rewarding and so powerful and so productive.
2: Well, I, I, got, I took us off on a path when you said HyperCard, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> let's get back to AppleScript a little bit. And so, so AppleScript is a way you address those Apple events.
1: Yes. So for example, you, know, you can tell the finder, make, uh, make new folder. And it will create a new folder on the desktop for you. So AppleScript was designed to have uh, a basic set of verbs like open, close, print, uh, make, uh, delete. Basic set of verbs... and, and a, a basic set of nouns. And then the nouns would be the things in your application, like an image or a video or something. And it was very much like see Jane run, run Jane run. You would take these basic terms and you can, in, within any application, f- construct an uh, English-like sentence that would... Basically, tell the computer to do something very powerful. I'll give you one example, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll let you back in. For example, you could say, tell Application Finder to duplicate every document file of the entire contents of the startup disk whose name contains Smith Project to the folder name Backup. And that would search your entire hard drive, find all the related documents, and copy them Duplicate them into a folder on the desktop named backup. One sentence.
2: Yeah, it, and and it's interesting because when I talk to programmers, they're not a lot of times they're not big Apple script script fans because they're used to talking in in programming languages like C, where things are a lot more rigid whereas is um apple script is more loose and i think for people that listen to this show that's the advantage of apple script i i had someone write in because i talk a lot about hazel and they said i want hazel to tell me when it's filed the gas bill can it just say i filed the gas bill like verbally say it and i said sure you just make a an apple script in hazel it's got a a function for that and just type say and put whatever you want to say in quotation marks and then they wrote me back because i didn't is that all you do i'm like yeah because apple script to make your computer talk, you just say, say, and put it in quotes. And it's a lot of fun. you But yeah. it, you're, pro, you're programming. Don't worry yeah. about it. it. Yeah. It's okay.
1: <laughs> and for those, you know, it's very common that uh, programmers don't like AppleScript because it's so laid back. And there's many ways to say the same thing in AppleScript. I mean... And programmers like a defined set of rules to work within. And they like a typed language where there's a you know dot this, dot that, dot this. And that's why we introduced JavaScript for automation, or JXA, as we called it. And it gave JavaScript the access to the same Apple event hooks and applications that AppleScript has. And in addition, we updated the core JavaScript that it's based upon so that it also could do the kind of every whose clauses that AppleScript could do. That's one of the powers of AppleScript that separates it from all other languages is you can use these filters in your statements that would perform the functions of iterating through thousands of items. You could say every document file whose name contains "Smith Project." Well, we added that same kind of "whose" clause ability into JavaScript for automation, and that's built into the Mac. You can use it as your preferred scripting language instead of AppleScript, or use it with AppleScript if you want to and Automator and combine the two.
2: I and have and a it, lot of questions about JavaScript. All right, <laughs> let's talk about that right after this. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to one slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off today. Your online security and privacy are important, and you need to use real tools to help protect it. That's where 1Password comes in. 1Password creates and stores strong and unique passwords and makes it easy for you to apply those. Because 1Password does all the work for you, you can have a different password for every website, And that way, if the bad guys get your password in one place, they don't have it in all of the places. But 1Password does so much more than that. You may have read recently about the Cloudflare problem where a large internet technology uh, that is used by a lot of websites was compromised and affected a lot of their clients. If, however, you were using 1Password, this wouldn't have been a problem before you because 1Password is designed with multiple layers of encryption and your data is encrypted before it ever leaves your computer. Put simply, 1Password already anticipated a problem like this and built security into the system to avoid it. And 1Password has another tool that will help you avoid problems like this in the future called Watchtower. Watchtower tells you about password breaches and other security problems on the websites that you've saved 1Password. It's included on the Mac and iOS with every 1Password subscription, and they've already added updates for the sites that were affected by the Cloudflare problem. 1Password continually updates Watchtower as security breaches are reported. So you don't even have to read the news to figure out when you've got a problem. 1Password will tell you uh, right in your application. It's a great service and it comes with your 1Password subscription. Now your security is too important to take lightly. I want you to go over to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps and check out a 1Password subscription today. The hackers work in teams. You need a team at your back, and it should be One Password. You get twenty percent off with a subscription at OnePassword.com/mpu, and let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power users.
0: Before David dives into the weeds about AppleScript and, and JavaScript, I want to ask a preliminary question, and that is. Um, For people who were wanting to dive a little deeper into automation, and maybe previously they've just been using some of these GUI tools like Text Expander, Hazel, Keyboard Maestro, or Automator, but not diving deeper and and actually putting in AppleScript or JavaScript, where do you think is that next step? Um, Should they go ahead and and pick up AppleScript because it's the easier language? Is there something else that they should do next? Uh, What's next for those folks?
1: It really depends on what they need done. Uh, One of the things in my career has been having a willingness to open up my brain and learn something new. If that meant learning how to write some shell scripts, then I would do that. If it meant learning some JavaScript, I, I would do that. AppleScript's a great place to start because there is an inherent logic to it and approachability. I wrote a book while I was at Apple. It took me five years to write. It was called AppleScript 123 from Peach Pit. And you can still get that online as a PDF file and order it. And I wrote it with the concept that a normal human being could start at the first chapter. And after they're at the seventh chapter, they're a master, (laughs) at what they need to know. And anything else specifically, they could look at the other chapters. But the the concept, the basic concepts about objects and properties and things like that get explained in very simple ways. So that's a good place to start. And the advantage of using AppleScript is that a lot of applications support it. And a lot of applications have scripting dictionaries that you can write. AppleScript to take advantage of. If you go to iWorkAutomation.com, you can see there's hundreds and hundreds of example scripts on how to control the iWork suite of applications. And you can also, all of Microsoft Office is scriptable from top to bottom. So is Adobe InDesign, and so is Photoshop. And you can use AppleScript as a way of learning the whole concept behind creating a workflow for yourself and creating a custom automation whether it's simple to start with and then get more complex i have one story i have a quick story for you that about that one thing and I, i'll stop i got a degree in music from berkeley in boston and it was back in the late 70s when i was i, I graduated but I had uh, a teacher there that was particularly profound. It was Larry. His, his name was Larry. And I, I've always been a big fan of Benny Goodman and Swing. And I was listening to Benny just cook through this a riding high solo, just wailing right through it. And I said, man, how does this guy do this stuff? You know. And my music teacher told me, he goes, look it. It's basically the whole concept behind language where you have words and you put the words together to create sentences. He goes, if you listen to what Benny's doing, he has these motifs and the way that he's putting them together is like speaking a sentence. So anything that's complex can be broken down into smaller things that are put together. And that's the whole principle is you learn the basic little function and then for your workflow, you start combining those. And as you develop as somebody that automates, you develop a library of these little motifs that you've created over the years of copying a file or or changing the formatting of a paragraph. And then soon enough, you can start stringing those together to create really useful automations for yourself. But that's the whole principle is anything complex can be broken down into just being a string of things that are simple.
2: Yeah. And I was just gonna say, I would second the uh, Apple script one, two, three book as a user after taking your class, I, I bought the book and there's a bunch of Apple scripts I've written based on what I learned in your book. I mean, I've got one that for instance, will grab the icon file out of an application because I write about this stuff. I'm always trying to get the, the icon uh, image that I'm going to use. And I I reduced that to an Apple script, which I then turned into a service years ago. And it's, I don't know how many hours I've saved and, you know, show file contents and all the nonsense I was going through before I wrote that script.
1: That's the story of automation. I have seen the most amazing things happen with automation. Uh, Just phenomenal time-saving things, even even at at companies that you would not think that would be pertinent to them to would come up with automation. I was once fortunate to work with uh, a friend of mine in New York uh, with Showtime, Dirk Van Dahl. And I visited Dirk in New York and I was looking at how they were producing the on-air menus, you know, those little 20-second things of, Next, Bob discovers America. And it would have like a little video background for that particular channel. and it would have the text and the, of the movies coming up in The Times and this voice overlay. And he walked me into this room and there was four people sitting in this room, back to back, against each wall, was a a media 100 station and they were cutting video and creating these 20 second on-air menus and they had like 1800 that they had to do because they had 13 channels and each one needed all these little menus for each day of the week and all kinds of stuff and he goes Wow, you know, it'd really be great if we could automate this, but I don't think that's possible. And I looked at it and I said, Well, what's it start with? And he said, Well, this spreadsheet in Excel. And sure enough, I I just basically camped out there. I asked Apple and they said, Yeah, go ahead. And I spent a month with Dirk and we got it down to where you could take the spreadsheet drag it onto an Apple script it would create the overlays in Illustrator and Photoshop add the alpha channel open up media 100 take the audio master audio track lay it out cut out the 20 second segments put them into individual segments based upon the naming convention grab the particular video out of the bin put it in for the backing then get the overlay text bring it in it so many seconds, faded in, faded out, and lay out 300 of these on a single timeline. And then they would scrub them just to make sure everything's OK, and then run another script that would batch export each one into a high-resolution on-air video and make a low-res video that gets put off into a server so it could be reviewed. And that just dramatically changed the course of video production at that corporation,
2: well, this stuff, and, and and not just big corporations, little companies, or just somebody doing their doing their uh, dissertation can benefit from this. But this is where I'm. This is where I have a question about JavaScript because in years past, people would write me and say, "So what do I do? I want to go to the next level of this stuff." And my answer would always be, "Learn AppleScript because AppleScript gets you into Apple events and it gives you the ability to do all kinds of crazy stuff." But people are increasingly using iOS devices. Um, you know, Apple has now got this JavaScript scripting ability, and I'm not sure what the answer is anymore. So I, I wanted you to tell us a little bit more about JavaScript and, and, how do you see the relationship between JavaScript and AppleScript at this point?
1: There, it's an interesting relationship between the two. There's a tendency within companies to think in terms of either, or. And sometimes that strategy is good for hardware, of getting rid of one device so that you could introduce another. But many times people lose the concept of and. And when it comes to scripting, there is no need for either or. You You don't have to have a situation of where it's either AppleScript or JavaScript or Shell or Ruby or Python or whatever. AND really is the key there. And I think of JavaScript as an AND. It's a partner to AppleScript. And it's for those people that like a particular language in a certain way, that like a type-structured language with like a C construct. And JavaScript's great for that. And that's why we implemented uh, JXA in OS X in, uh, Yosemite if you go to the Mac OS 10 automation website up in the top right you'll see there is a the word Yosemite if you click on that it will take you to a web page that has all of the features for automation for that release and there's a 30-minute video there on JavaScript for automation that walks you right through it and then it has a link to the documentation for the specifics. I would highly suggest that even people that know AppleScript, pick up JavaScript and develop your skills to where you can go back and forth between both languages and use the one that fits the occasion. You can use JavaScript to do the same kind of things that AppleScript does for like controlling Keynote. But there are certain things about each language that they have advantages and disadvantages and you know you'll find the things that javascript can do that apple script can do and that AppleScript can do that javascript can't do so if you have skills in both and you're not afraid of both that's really the ideal place to go and i think in that regard javascript is really opening the door for a whole new frontier in automation at the computer level and at the device level. I'm working with the Omni Group in Seattle. Uh, I'm fortunate to work with Ken and, and Molly and Greg and Tim and all the guys there. They are outstanding people and engineers and extremely creative and dedicated to serving their customer base. And one of the things that they're working on is implementing a JavaScript automation in their applications that's cross-platform. And by cross-platform, I mean both macOS and iOS. And for the first time, you can do object model scripting between their applications and within their applications using JavaScript on iOS. And I got to tell you that as I'm Working with this, it is such a hoot to be able to click a button and just watch my my iPad just go crazy. I uh, really took it to the extreme the other day. I made this script that turns a square into a flower <laughs> by replicating itself like a dozen times and rotating with shades and fading and putting a circle in the center and. One of the things about the Omni products is you can attach any of their automations to their objects so that when you touch the object, it will do what its assigned automation is. So I have a square and I just touch it and it replicates itself as a flower. Then I touch a petal and it replicates itself as a flower and so on and so on. And the next thing you know, I'm making a garden with my finger and I'm just laughing, holding the iPad, watching this automation work.
2: I, I think this is some of the most exciting automation type news we've had in a long time. Um, it, it's called Omni JS. So it's the Omni group has their own flavor of JavaScript for lack of a better word. And, um, and now that Sal's on the outside of Apple, he's helping them to put this in place. And gang, this is, you can go to, um, uh, in fact, uh, Sal has a website. It's called Omni hyphen automation.com. You should, you should definitely go check it out, but we're in early days of this, but, um, I fell into a hole with this yesterday for four hours. Where I was gonna, I was gonna be doing some work, and I had all the stuff I was gonna do. And Sal so was like, "You really should go check this website out." So, I went in there and I was trying to script, and I was having a great time. But this is this is really powerful because it, the problem we've all been worried about is we're increasingly using iPads and iPhones to get work done. And we, we, we want to double up on our scripting. We want to double up on our automation. If we if we figure out a way to do something, we want it to work everywhere. So uh, the Omni solution is, look, we're going to write a scripting language into our apps. So you can activate this on your iPad, on your Mac. There's even a way to do it from the web. where And Sal's got samples of this on the website where you click a button on the web, and it goes and launches the relative Omni app. And does things like makes a flower. That heat map you did with the map of the United States was amazing.
1: Yeah. And it's JavaScript. It's JavaScript core. So the effort that you put into learning JXA on the Mac, you it's just a small step to you know use JavaScript over on the Omni apps on iOS as well. It It's always useful to learn as much as you can and to... Think about and instead of or. You know, learning some AppleScript is not going to prevent you from learning the tightness of JavaScript. And learning the tightness of JavaScript is not going to prevent you from learning the funky, you know, sofa in the rain kind of thing of AppleScript. They're they're very powerful. And there's one other language I want to make sure that I mention today, and that is... The most powerful language I know on the Mac is AppleScript Objective-C. It was created by uh, Chris Nebel of the uh, automation team. And what it did is it basically took all of the Objective-C frameworks and exposed them to your Apple scripts. So your script could call into anything that the applications could call into. All of your foundation frameworks, image kit, all of those kind of things that were never accessible before through scripting suddenly became part of AppleScript. So AppleScript Objective-C is a really incredible language. And if you want to play with it and learn it, the best way to do that is to get the PDFs written by Shane Stanley and to use Script Debugger that has built-in support for Apple Script Objective-C and writing that as well. That's for the heavy-duty lifting. If you really want to write something that is extremely powerful, that has all the abilities of a scripting language, but also all of the abilities of Cocoa, AppleScript Objective C is it. It's the power tool.
2: It, it it also allows you like up the u user interface because you're going through the Xcode interface builder and um I I was looking at using that for some of my scripts just because I wanted to do play with interface builder.
1: Oh yeah, well it doesn't have to be an app. You can write app. We put AppleScript Objective C in the normal script editor, so you can write. Just regular scripts that run from the script menu that also use AppleScript Objective-C. And they also have the ability to talk to applications like Keynote and Word and all those things. And AppleScript can also can communicate directly through the command line through the do shell script command. So as a co- it is the ultimate duct tape. <laughs> you can do anything you want with AppleScript Objective-C. You own the computer.
2: I I always felt like for me, because I'm not somebody, I've always been a nerd. I've been programming computers since I was old enough to get on my Schwinn 10 speed and ride to the radio shack, you know, know, and, um, but I've never had the time to, to, you know, I think it's a discipline. If you want to become a computer programmer and make apps, it's, it's a full-time job to do it right. Um, but I've always felt like on the flip side, automation is something anybody can do and you can have a lot of fun with it without making it a full-time job and also increase your own productivity. That's, that's always been my kind of angle to all this stuff. And, um, and I really, I agree with you, you know, that the, the true ninja step is when you get objective C involved with, um, Apple script and, and you can really make some remarkable stuff happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Again, it's about, and I mean, you know, uh, as a scripter, I learned, I learned AppleScript. The AppleScript was my language. I never really learned Objective-C. But once AppleScript Objective-C became a reality, then it was a matter of just opening my mind and being receptive to the whole concepts behind Objective-C and how to incorporate that with what I already knew. And it just ends up expanding you as a person, and expands what you can do and expands how rewarding the automation tools you create can be. So I always encourage people to think about and instead of or.
2: Do you, do you see any relationship for Swift in uh, scripting at this point?
1: Well, Swift, is its function is n- not really designed as this uh, scripting language. It's you a know, programming language. The two, hmm, I have to, the the intersection of the two has not come to fruition
0: as of yet. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create a website. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has just got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and you have access to all of those award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've been using Squarespace to host my own website for years, and when I needed a website for my business, I chose Squarespace. I know several people in my industry who are spending hundreds of dollars a month on websites that can't even hold a candle to my Squarespace website, and it's just ridiculous. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users. Thanks, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
2: Just getting back on the the JavaScript, Apple script, the, the various options available, I think one thing someone would ask is, you know, what is your target for the automation? And something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is, where does, for instance, because I'm doing a lot of stuff on iPad lately and I want scripting to come over. Like that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about what Omni is doing. Um, does Apple script make sense for somebody who wants a script for iOS at this point?
1: Yeah, because the principles that you learn spending time, you know, learning how to write an automation with the Apple script, the basic principles you learn remain the same. The principles behind automation are constant across platform, across languages. One of the main things that you learn is how to create an automation recipe in your mind. Like when you have a task that you want to accomplish, you have to break that task down into steps. Mentally, you have to think about, well, what is it that I want to do and what would be the steps involved in getting that done? So regardless of what language you use to achieve it, you're still going to have to learn to break it down. You'll have to say, hmm, okay. first thing I need to do is acquire the items I want to do, and then I'm going to process them. And then I'm going to deliver those. Right. So. Okay, then when I process them, I'm going to have to repeat some kind of series with each one of these. So you're learning about the concept of looping. And the concepts you learn with AppleScript are the same programming concepts you learn with JavaScript and the same programming concepts you learn with Swift or any language. Even JavaScript on iOS, it's all the same principle. So it's just a different way of writing a loop in AppleScript versus writing a loop in JavaScript. And if you're okay with knowing a couple ways to do the same thing, it's a good place to start. It's pretty forgiving.
2: The other thing I love about AppleScript is because so many of those entry-level automation apps we talked about earlier have AppleScript components to them. Some of them have JavaScript too, but they all have AppleScript. So um, once you learn your bag of tricks with AppleScript, um, you can drop those snippets in just about anywhere on your Mac and use them.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, so uh, I wrote an article recently for Mac Stories about the difference between... Extensions is automation versus user automation. How people sometimes tend to to get confused on that. They might think that an extension is a replacement for user automation. And they're absolutely different things. Uh, Extensions are just another form of automation. And on that article, I took this uh, example where I... uh, Create a content in Keynote. And I have an AppleScript version and a JavaScript version. So I wrote the AppleScript version first of, you know, getting the uh, table data from numbers and converting it into a chart in a Keynote slide. So I'm working between both. And then I just sat down with JavaScript and I went, Oh yeah, now how do I do this? Okay, well, first thing I have to do is acquire. Oh, okay, then I'm going to, what do I have to do for that? Oh, okay, and then then I process. Okay, well, the processing is a little different in JavaScript, so I do this, this, and then how do I put the the result? How do I deliver the result? Oh, okay, then I do this. And it was just, you know, it took me, it took me about 40 minutes to take the Apple script and convert it over into a JavaScript and post them both there. It's It's not that difficult to do. You just have to be willing to learn new things and let go of something that you have a preconceived notion about and be willing to accept, oh, there's other ways to do the same thing.
2: Yeah. And that's the nice thing about scripting is quite often there's several ways to scratch the itch. Uh, ranging from an app to uh, to writing your own script, and and the advantage of all of this stuff for everybody listening is once these scripts are out there, like if you go to the Mac OS 10 Automation site or Mac OS X Automation site, a bunch of these scripts are just downloadable and usable, and and that's the other thing that has me super excited about the Omni JS idea is that Omni is going to write these scripts. I mean, I'm sure they're going to release a bunch with it when they when they make this thing you know final. And then smart people in the community are going to write scripts. And suddenly it's like you can just build your own feature set for the Omni apps. And, and I think it's going to be really great. And I hope the other app developers see it and say, I want a piece of that too. And suddenly we have this thing we're building outside of Apple to create this rich scripting environment for all of us users.
1: I tell you, uh, the Omni group is they're really a unique set of individuals. They are very insightful They are dedicated and willing to take the risks to push things forward. They are uh, quite unique and uh, it's an honor to work with them. And I think that what they're doing is laying the groundwork and uh, the pioneering effort to show that how this is done and the potential that you have when you consider a solution that works across both platforms.
2: And I should just add editorially to uh, to the listeners: Is Omni sponsoring the show? They had no idea we were going to be talking about them, or, or I don't think Sally even knew they were sponsoring the show. Omni so didn't know that Sal is, was
0: going to be on too.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is truly editorial, and and the love is shared. I mean, it, it is an amazing thing. I can't wait to see where it goes with it, but I I completely see a future where you're going to say, "Oh, I want OmniFocus to have this feature." Well, somebody's going to script it and you just download it and install it or whatever the mechanism will be to add the feature to the app. You don't have to wait for anybody to do anything. Yeah. And and it's going to be super powerful.
1: Oh, I'm I I tell you I'm just constantly sitting by myself laughing out loud. Uh when- I uh, get something automated on my iPad, and I'm just watching it dance around, going like it's uh, it's quite interesting and and quite uh, inspirational to watch true object model automation happen on an iOS device for sure and. It also goes over to the Mac It also everything that I'm writing on the iPad, I can take right over to the Mac and use it back and forth. They are they're absolutely simpatico. There's really not very few things that they're different on.
2: Yeah. And right now it's still in testing very early. They've just yes. announced it and um, it's working with Omni Graffle and Omni, the new Omni Outliner beta right now. Yeah. Um, but I individuals think can
0: to... get in on that testing, correct? It's an open beta. You can go over to the omnigroup.com yes. and get info on that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. And, and if you download the betas, then you go to, to Sal's uh, Omni automation site and just start running his scripts and you can use his scripts to, you know, make interesting things happen on your Apple devices. It's, it's really great.
1: And the site also has a web console for writing JavaScript uh, OmniJS on an iOS device. It has keys that have preset functions built into them and has pop-up menus with uh, the various methods and the properties all available to you. Because working on an iOS keyboard can be challenging if you're trying to
2: write code. I want to uh, I want to spend some time talking about automation on iPad and iPhone for a little while. Um, the um, we we've been dancing around it a little bit with the stuff the Omni Group is doing, but um, getting back to that article you wrote uh, uh, for Mac Stories, um, talking tell us a little bit about what you meant when you talked about the differences between extensions and, and different types of automation for iOS.
1: Again, uh, I'm going to bring up the concept of you know. And an or uh, a lot of people mistakenly embrace the concept of or when it's not necessary. There really needs to be and 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 does not necessarily cost more or is more expensive. It's just offers more options. And I thought that there was a need to address so that people weren't confused that, well, you know, what extensions are automation? Extensions are a particular kind of automation that's very controlled and has to be user-initiated and it has to have, uh, they're kind of blind, they get handed data that they're allowed to manipulate and then pass back. Uh, You can't chain them together to make like automated workflows and they're useful, they're very useful, but they have a, a, a level of restriction to them and they're only created by developers you have to really know what you're doing to create one of those it's not like user automation where you're free to just pick up a scripting language and create something that you can use right away that really works between applications and cross applications and outside of the bounds of a sandbox
2: and, and like an example of this would be when you're in a, in the Photos app and you hit the little sharing button and you send your photo to an extension for some third-party app to apply a filter. Yes, a very, exactly. It's a very confined, I mean, a, a user is not going to change that process. You get right. what you get.
1: Right. And it works within the security confines of sandboxing. The One of the most powerful things about automation on the Mac and the reason that it's so powerful and used so well is the way that Yvonne and his team and the automation team decided how automation would work in a secure environment. On the Mac, the operating system itself actually runs the automation. If you're an application and you want to run a script yourself, then you're limited security-wise as to what you can do. You can script yourself but when you want to script another application, then you have to have an entitlement that allows you to do that. However, your application can, can host scripts that the user has put in themselves that can control any variety of applications. And that's because those are run by the operating system itself. Automator and the script monitor that run the Apple script scripts And the JavaScript scripts, those are run within a specific system architecture. And that's why they're allowed to do anything without having to deal with constant approval and permissions and all those kind of things. They operate at the user level of authority. And in order to be really useful, an automation has to act like you. And it has to be the equivalent of you doing something yourself with your level of authority and when you take that level of authority and you make it too granular then the usefulness of the automation tool is reduced because the user has to be involved constantly in approving and in setting up and all the other challenges that go with that level of security So the Mac is different than iOS because the Mac has this architecture that allows automation to exist as a user. On iOS, you don't have that. So extensions really work on iOS as a way of of peering in occasional functionality between applications so if i have an application that creates a qr code i can use that in my photos app as an extension and that's nice and that provides some useful functionality but it's not the same equivalent that user automation does of Here's everything this application can do. I'm free to choose the way I want to use it. And by the way, I want that application to talk to this one the same way. So you're looking at conceptually two different things, and I don't think that they have to be or. It can definitely be a scenario of inclusion where you have the best of both worlds, and it's done securely.
2: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniPlan, by the Omni Group. Head over to omnigroup.com to learn more. OmniPlan is the Omni Group's project planning software. And if you're listening to me and you're thinking project planning software and turning your brain off, I want you to stop for a minute because project planning software is just not something you use to build a 50-story building anymore. Project planning software is so powerful and also so easy to use, especially when it comes from the Omni Group, that you can put it to use in a lot of different ways. As an example, I had a client recently that we were working on a, a complex contract project that required negotiations with several parties and several different phases of planning as we were starting the project i realized that the client was going to have a hard time kind of keeping up with what i was doing and why i had to wait at certain points and why i could take action at other points so i went ahead and set it up as an omni plan so here was a little omni plan i created that just involved like four people and the idea behind OmniPlan is to make it something that easy to use that you can spend just a little bit of time and make something for four people and make it work. So I set up this great little OmniPlan, I shared it with them, it showed all of the milestones and exactly how we were going to get this thing done. It laid out the critical path in a way that was beautiful to look at and easy to understand, and the client loved it. They had a great experience. When we had delays, they could see that it wasn't my fault. And when we got moving, they were really happy to see how that worked as well. I updated the, the project plan and OmniPlan a few times as we made it through the project. And when we got to the end, the client told me that it was one of the best experiences they'd ever had working with a lawyer. And I know it was partly because of the work that OmniPlan did for me. So uh, take a minute to think about how you could use OmniPlan in your life. It's the software is powerful, but also easy to wrap your mind around. The software looks great. It's always getting updated, of course, because it's from the Omni Group. Most recently, they just got Touch Bar support. If you spend time working with other humans, go ahead and download the trial to OmniPlan. I'll bet you'll be surprised how many uses you can find for it. And let me know what you're doing with OmniPlan. To get more productive with OmniPlan, head over to omnigroup.com/omniplan. And thank you, Omni Group, for supporting the Mac Power users. Sal, before the break, you were talking about putting an and on the iPad and the iPhone. I want an and so badly <laughs> I want an and so badly because, because I, I get it. I, I like extensions and they, when the extensions came out, I was so happy because it was the first move towards automation. And then we've got this app like workflow. I, I guess the workflow is the only app I really know like that on the iPad, but I, I get a taste occasionally on how I can, can improve automation on iOS, which I desperately want. Um, you know what? What else are we going to do on the iPad and iPhone to kind of get the kinds of power that we have on the Mac? Or is that something you see happening?
1: I can't talk highly enough about workflow and the guys that developed that, and what they have done with the resources that they have available, and how well they've integrated it, how attractively it's designed and implemented, and the power that it has. And what they're using are URLs that are the <clears throat> one area, in, one of the areas in iOS that are fairly open without restriction is the applications can send URLs back and forth. But you're basically, they're acting as the translator for multiple different languages. Each app has its own constructs for its URL. They're using callbacks. There's all kinds of different things and They've done a fantastic job of combining that and hiding a lot of the complexity from the user. And if you are using an iOS device, Workflow is a fantastic app to use and I highly recommend
2: that. And, you know, the saying, if you get lemons, you make lemonade. The, the workflow is some of the best lemonade I've ever had. It's
1: fantastic. It's fantastic. I didn't even
2: think any of that would be possible uh, before that app showed up.
1: But I come from the, you know, the world of automation that started in the Mac and Apple events and object model scripting and having access to the internals of the application. So what uh, the interesting thing about what Omnis doing without getting into too much detail is that they... come up with this way to to incorporate all of that together and in a way that's still secure but also has exposure to all the different things that the application can do and you're not having to memorize a certain url formula for a particular thing to do and it's just like no you just write your script and it works and it's it takes time. You know, life's a river and we're all in the river together floating along. And sometimes you want to be farther down the river than you are. But I can tell you, sometimes it's just good for you to enjoy the period while things are, are being created and, and enjoy this period right now. And enjoy what the Omni Group's doing, because you might be looking back on this in four years or five years and go, wow, that's when it all really happened.
0: Well, I want to hop on that for a minute because we are now coming up on you know ten years with the iPhone and there really or iOS and there hasn't been a whole lot of automation or any of these types of things that has been on iOS and when really it, it was built foundationally on the Mac. Uh, and not looking at anything that Apple may be doing, but just looking at what the third-party developers are doing, it's really coming from that community. Uh, where do you think, if we had this conversation a couple of years from now, uh, what what types of things are we going to be able to do on iOS, and how is it going to open up iOS as a platform for us?
1: I can't really speak as to you know what Apple's going to do. Uh...
0: It, no, no, I, I said setting aside what Apple may do, but looking at looking at what the third-party developers are doing.
1: I, I can speak as to that, as, as to, you know, like what, what Omni's doing with this. And I can see where they're pioneering and the direction that that's going. And, you know, ideas are infectious. Concepts are infect- infectious. A single concept can change the universe. It can change the world, you know? And I think what they're working on is just so compelling that I don't think it'll be able to be ignored. And I don't see it just being an isolated incident. I think it's definitely proving concepts. It's it's proving the truths that automation has already had forever. The basic concept and truth behind automation, that the power of the computer should reside in the hands of the one using it, is being once again demonstrated through the work of Omni. And that is a very powerful concept. And once it sees light, it just tends to flower and bloom. And I don't think it could be stopped. And I think that years from now, we're going to say, wow, you know, these devices and the way that they talk together and the way that they communicate between computer and, and tablet and the way that you can automate processes between server, cloud, computer, tablet and watch and all of those different things. We're just going to be amazed what happens when automation actually sees the prominence that it deserves.
2: I sure hope so. I mean, I was reading about, um, how, uh, the other Steve was, was talking about when the first Apple came out, it didn't really have software with it. Cause his idea was that the users would make their own software, <laughs> you know, which was the time. What was an idea? Probably a little bit ahead of its time.
1: He's one of my favorite people. I, I- I love being in the room with him. He's one of those guys. He reminds me like Burt Monroy. You know, you're in the room with this amazing talent and brain, and it's really humbling. And they're just really nice people too. So,
2: yeah, and just an amazing engineer. Like when you read the old folklore stories, and the like, they'd have some huge problem, and he'd come up with some crazy idea out of left field that just made complete sense and solved the problem every time. <laughs>
1: And the, those solutions, be, those solutions would take off, and they would drive new directions, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. But but you know, getting back to that, I, I feel like I just feel like we're so close with these devices. The iOS devices, in particular, are so user friendly, and there has to be a way to solve the problem where us as users can customize and, and build automation into them in a way that makes sense that is not super difficult, but allows, empowers normal people, non-programmers to make these things work even harder for them. And, um, and, and we're not, we're not trying to question about Apple. We don't want to get you any trouble, but just as a user, I can say, I feel like there's so much promise there that's unfulfilled. So, so part of me is real happy. You're helping the Omni group and these people on the outside do things to try and make these platforms work harder for us.
1: Yeah. I'm really pleased to be part of that. Uh, There are challenges with iOS. I mean, because it is a a mobile operating system at heart, there are things that you have to deal with uh, from an automation perspective that don't exist on the Mac. For example, it's typical on the Mac to have two applications talking to each other or to have a script that's communicating between three applications simultaneously and using data from one and querying and having one do something and then grab that and then go over to here. But on iOS, applications are put into a certain mode when they're not the primary application. And it's only been until recently when you're bringing in multitasking through split screen that multiple applications have had the ability to be uh, pseudo primary and that you could communicate between these two live Uh, So one of the challenges is as you write a script that if you want to talk to another application and grab some data from it, it's going to have to come and become active so that it can function. Then it's going to do what it has to do and then return back to the other application. So that's one of the issues. The other issue is power consumption. You know, automation can really drive a computer and that's what it's for. It's it's meant to drive it sometimes. And that's a challenge when you have devices that where they're looking to really optimize every bit of power that they have. And then there's the final big one is, is the security architecture. iOS is heavily architectured to be siloed and secure and sandboxed and all of that. And the Challenge there is to implement an architecture similar to what they did on macOS, where the system is allowed to run automations in a certain way that give you the ability to get the kind of things done you need done, but in a secure fashion. So I think as the concept that you're driving and that your listeners are driving about the need for automation on iOS becomes louder and more adopted, and more reality. I think that those challenges will be addressed by Apple at some point in iOS, because things aren't static. They just don't stay the same. And there's really brilliant engineers there and people that want the best, and that want to do the right thing, and want to deliver exciting tools like automation. And I think you'll see change over time. Like I I said, David, we're in the river. We're floating along. It's going to take some time, but we'll get there.
2: How can people listening to the show who are interested in this stuff, you know, make their voices heard to Apple that we want more of this on iOS?
1: Every way you can. You know, writing articles, having podcasts, all of those things that you do, feedback pages, all that stuff. Any way you can, all of that has an effect. Apple listens to their customers. They are aware of the voice of the customer and what goes on. And it's important that you make your voice heard. It's important that if automation is something that's important to you, that's essential to the way that you do your work or your job or your enjoyment or whatever, That you let Apple know that, you know, automation is important to me. And I I need the device to be able to do this, this, and this. And I need to have the access to make my own. I don't want just an, an app that I buy or an extension that I buy that does a certain thing. I want to be able to make my own things because the way that I roll is a little different than the way that somebody else's roll. And... You have to make that voice heard, and now's the time for people to communicate to Apple any way you can and let them know that automation is critical to you and that's an important and that it will drive your consumer purchases.
2: From your lips to Tim's ears.
0: Well, Sal, I think we're going to have to have you back on because I feel like there's so much that we, we haven't covered to talk about automation, but we also want to have you back on maybe at some point to do a workflow show to tell us a little bit about the technology um, that you're using. So we we hope that you'll join us again at some point.
1: Oh, if I ever show people what I automated, it'd be scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, Steve Steve once made a joke about that I had automated everything at the company and that everybody was just sitting around, you know, just for a show.
2: Well, is it true?
1: Well, there's a lot of things <laughs> at Apple that, that are automated that uh, people aren't aware of, executives aren't aware of how much is actually automated to that company. And he was a really valuable ally for uh, automation and for AppleScript. He got it. He was uh, a very interesting man, and he absolutely grokked at the concept of automation and the importance of it and why it was necessary. But that's a that's another set of stories there.
2: Yeah, I, but I think it just I think he was a very customer focused uh, executive, and I think you could immediately see the value to customers.
1: Yep. Definitely.
2: All right. So Sal, I want people to go check out all the great stuff you've got out there on the internet. Everybody go check out macOSXautomation.com. And that's a, like a portal. You go there. Uh, I do not recommend you do it a half hour before you need to go to dinner with your spouse.
0: Yeah. Don't do it right when you get ready to go to bed. Cause then you won't sleep.
2: Yeah. Instead do it like on a Saturday morning, make some coffee or tea and just have some fun exploring all the amazing stuff that Sal's got there for you. And this Omni thing is I am super excited about it and it's omni I th- believe it's omni-automation.com is that the correct that's URL? correct yeah. yes yeah. go there and uh, and you can the, he's got the links there you can go download some of the betas of some of the Omni software and you can you can activate them I mean the idea that I can make a script that can take like an Omni outliner list and then turn that into an Omni focused task list and then export that to a project in Omni plan I mean this stuff is completely doable if this all takes fruition the way it looks like it's going to. Um, and, uh, and I think a year or two from now, we are all going to be having lots to talk about in that, uh, in that field. Uh, anywhere else we should send people, Sal? So. Uh,
1: again, I'd like to mention Script Debugger. For those that, that want to write uh, AppleScript and AppleScript Objective-C, it is a fantastic application for writing scripts. It is really, really good. And anything by any documentation by Shane Stanley, there's links on Mac OS X automation. He documents AppleScript Objective-C in an easy to understand way. He's fantastic. One of my idols for sure. And scripter is a great website as well. And if you just want something that's like, wow, I didn't think of that, uh, check out dictationcommands.com. It was a project I work on where I combined automation and speech. And you'll be just watch the video page there. And I think you'll be intrigued and maybe that will trigger something else in your mind as well. But thank you for having me on today. It's been a joy hanging out with you guys. I'm sorry if I just like talk like crazy, but I don't get a chance very often to talk about this stuff and how much it means to me and the community.
2: Well, we will give you a platform anytime you want to talk about it, Sal. So just let us know. And, um, and like we said at the top of the show, we are very thankful for you spending your time with us today and all of the hard work you and your team at Apple did to, to make our Macs and our iPads and our iPhones so awesome. Well, thank you.